Hi, welcome to Goddess Your Podcast. Today, a little bit different, guys. We have a new face over on the screen to my left, or if it's your right. She's my very special sister. <laughs> Her name is Eva. Introduce yourself, Eva. Hi, all. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Eva Wilson. It's my sign name. Uh, and I'm happy to be here on my sister's podcast. <laughs> We're so happy you could join. I want to apologize first. My, my sign language is not good or perfect, but I'm trying. So... I want to say thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart, Eva Wilson, for helping with my project. And I want to say you have amazing background, especially in your uh, work with the deaf children. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Um, my background, um, I have um, a degree in deaf education. So I taught uh, grades, well, babies, newborns age until high school age at School for the Deaf through the Early Childhood Intervention Program. And um, I also was in a self-contained self -contained classroom. Um, and I worked with uh, mainstream kids also in the regular education classroom. And forgive me because my signing is rusty. <laughs> I don't sign every day like before it's good I, I was also a level one in certified interpreter for the deaf interpreter for the deaf and um i'm also a speech therapist and i did that for 10 years explain your world experience uh with interprofessional what's a professional uh, different therapist yeah. Professionals. Uh, like in working with OTs, like occupational. Whole, that whole body approach. Oh, the whole body approach. Okay. Well, I, in, in working um, in the pediatric rehab uh, facility, we would use a whole body approach. So um, our patients. Our patients would have to see and feel and taste and touch and move and hear and all things that that would help your brain absorb information. So whole body approach, not just sitting and reading cards, uh, not just sitting and cutting, but moving and acting and doing um, using their whole body. I love that approach. What's approach? 
approach? Approach, because I'm an OT, an occupational therapist, and we know that learning requires mm -hmm. all senses. What sensory approach? Uh, uh, senses, senses. Um, Sense, like sensitive senses. Sensory approach. Senses. My background, I, I worked with babies, with you, Emma Wilson, because uh, you introduced me to helping the deaf moms of babies get started uh, with basic signing um, but also our brother mm -hmm. yeah. and it was sad because he was away at school for most of the year so our sign was very what's limited 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 Anyway, on that note, I'd like you to go ahead and take the interpreting from here, Eva, please. Okay, so I'll interpret for you. Okay. You. Yeah. Uh, it's a vision of the founding fathers of healthcare, um, patient-centered care. And as you mentioned, Eva, it's important to meet the child with any approach possible where they can learn a whole body sensory approach. And re this is the vision of the founding fathers to, to have this client-centered approach and, and be empathetic and patient-centered, keeping the patient's interests and learning uh, modes, their, the way they learn in mind and being sensitive to that. Uh, also a collaborative approach like uh, you were doing in your whole body approach interprofessionally because we need to provide the best delivery that we can in, in, in therapy. And we need to, we all share the same patients, don't we? So therapists, as Eva is a speech therapist and I'm an OT, we work together all day, as we know. I take my patient to you, you take bring them back to me, and we're always <laughs> sharing. So we have to learn together uh it's not only about the physical needs but the patient as a whole and what's important to that patient metaphorically we need to speak in their language literally speak in their language in this case with my capstone exploring the experiences of attending a residential school for the deaf this capstone <clears throat> forces us, or at least it encourages, I'm hoping, to, as therapists and educators, speak in the child's language, literally be able to pick up some basic sign language uh, skills so that we can communicate. And we need to <clears throat> open ourselves up to at least some basics, learning skills uh, in, in, in vocabulary. Uh, Eleanor Slagle, E-L-E-A-N-O-R, Slagle, S-L-A-G-E-L, 
she was one of the founding fathers of OT and mother <laughs> because she's female. That confidence is about action. We need to trust our abilities. Um, it's my hope that just like me, I just try to learn as much as I can and not be afraid. Uh, we need to try and we need to inspire each other and educators to face our fears and do what Eleanor asked when she said, stand up and face them, our fears. Don't hang back. <laughs> so on that note, we need to be brave. We need to try to collaborate. And that's a whole much to, bunch to unpack. Um, but where do we meet in the middle? Well, the legend goes like this, Thomas, uh, Golodet, uh, as many of you may be familiar, I think his sign is like this, Emma, something like that. I think it's yes, Golodet. Uh, you know, he, he was an American educator, and yet uh, at uh, 17 years old, he uh, graduated with honors from Yale University. Well, one day he was standing by his window and he noticed a nine-year-old little girl playing outside and her name happened to be Alice. Eva, isn't your middle name Alicia? Yes. <laughs> Same name, middle name. <laughs> yes. She was nine years old and she was deaf. The daughter of his neighbor. He observed Alice playing apart from the other children and he wanted to help her. He taught Alice different objects by writing names and drawing pictures with a stick in the dirt. Didn't we love to do that, Eva, when we were kids? <laughs> Alice is so impressed, he asked Thomas to continue teaching her throughout the summer. Gallaudet found his mission to establish Connecticut Asylum for the Deaf. I got chills. <laughs> and it reminded me a little bit of my story while working as an auditory impairment specialist. I observed another OT in a session with one of my students who was deaf. And the child sat with a grimace on her face, much like Alice, not knowing what was on her plate. She was being weaned from tube feeding. I asked the OT, can I help her? Can I show her what's on her plate? It was some fruit cocktail. Of course, it didn't look like regular grapes or peaches to her. So I signed grapes. Her face lit up. Then I signed peaches. Her face lit up and she attempted to nibble at the fruit on her fork. Like Gallaudet, I too found my mission. I was going to become an OT. 
Now I've come full circle. When deciding on a capstone project, experience, exploring the experiences of attending a residential school for the deaf, I was taken back to the situation where I found myself asking, why? Why will others not apply themselves and learn another person's language? But now applying critical thinking skills toward my role as an OT in research can contribute and hopefully impact in treating the deaf population. So now the question becomes, what? What can I do to make a difference? So, ta-da, that note, hopefully by sharing this experience of my capstone project, I can inspire and Eva here can also maybe motivate you. She motivated me to learn sign language and apply, apply myself to learning. And how? By working, by working and applying my skills with the moms of the deaf babies in my job as an auditory impairment specialist and hopefully as an OT. However, what I noticed is not very many centers that I've worked at will confident enough, nor the speech therapist, to work with a child who is deaf. Eva did because she had the background and would help the other OTs, but most centers don't have an Eva everywhere. <laughs> so the question becomes, how can we as therapists contribute and improve in this, this gap to fill the gap and help and contribute and collaborate as we talked about. The problem statement of this capstone is there is insufficient research about the experiences specifically of children who are deaf and educated away from families. The children who are deaf and educated away from home may become socially disconnected from their families and others who hear. Many of you maybe went off to residential home, uh, I'm sorry, residential school, but some of you maybe attended a regional school and got to go home at night and be with your family. This subject in my study actually uh, attended a residential school away from home and my job was to explore his experiences and see what themes came up, what themes derived and resonated and repeated them coming up. How did he feel when he was away? How did he establish himself with the culture over there while he was away, but then also communicate and feel a sense of belonging at home? So Eva, I want to ask you, what are your experiences with this population of the deaf who attended a residential school? 
Um, what I've noticed uh, in talking with people that have attended residential schools, uh, they seem to have a very strong sense of community and belonging. Um, that is family. Uh, you know, they were actually raised, feels like they were raised there uh, with their rules and um, routines, routines. Um, and like that was really home. Mm -hmm. What a good situation it seems like to me. Of course, I've never attended a residential school, but um, lots of kids that live at home, hearing kids, deaf kids, any kids, kids need, uh, they need structure, they need order, they need routine to help them learn and feel safe and calm, uh, to help them grow. And residential schools are very structured. They've got order, they're planned out. They wake up at a certain time, they eat at a certain time, they go to sleep at a certain time, they study at a certain time. And that's good for anyone, anyone hearing or deaf. So that seems like it would be very conducive or conducive to a learning environment. Um, can, we pause, can we pause right there? Because I wanted to mention that this, this participant in my study was very thankful um, for the experiences away. And he felt like he was relieved when he was back at school because 24 seven, they communicated and uh, in their language, ASL, even the professionals at the school, like the nurses, if they had to go to the dentist or to get their eyeglasses, spoke very basic terminology enough to communicate with the with the participant when he had to communicate. Um, and so he felt like it was very forgiving if they they knew the child knew that that professional was a hearing person, but you know, their, their sign was just basic. Like, are you sick? Is something hurt? Do you need, you know, water? Uh, things like that. Basic, uh, where, where hurt, you know, uh, things like that. So actually I think we are harder on ourselves as hearing people to, um, like you said, Eva, to be able to, um, communicate effectively when we have the chance and make them feel at home and like they fit in. I think fear, like we talked about Eleanor, the founding, one of the founding fathers of OT or mother, should I say, says we need to not hold back. We need to jump in there and be more assertive uh, in, in learning and applying our skills. Um, Eva, I wanted to ask you, um, what would you recommend as professionals, teachers, therapists, doctors, nurses, uh, that we can do to help? What do you see we can do? Okay, so my, my idea of what we 
is that professionals can help is supporting the families and trying to encourage them, motivate them to not be intimidated, intimidated by learning sign. I know it seems like it would be difficult or it would be hard, but that's the connection. That is the connection. That's the key to opening up the emotion, the relationship with your child. That's what I would say. That's the key. It's not, no one else can do what a parent can do. You can't be that parent for that patient. So in all, I, I think that the that the most important thing or idea would be to encourage them to learn sign language as a way to communicate. Mm, I love that. And, you know, collaboration as we started this whole discussion off, um, Eva mentioned some good points, collaborating with parents and collaborating with um, just rapport, establishing rapport, even if it's just some basic sign, like, you know, I tried with uh, the student of mine to, to let her know peaches and grapes. It didn't take very much effort for me to apply myself in learning those two signs. And I'm not trying to shun the OT working with her, but <laughs> if she, if we're working with a patient who is needing uh, visual cues, even just some cue cards, some photos would have sufficed. And I believe at that point, I'll give her some credit. She did say, well, let me go get my picture cards. <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 it's something I guess you have to be passionate about. And uh, Eva and I share the fact that, you know, we grew up in a, in a household where we got to have our brother who was born deaf and would return home from school occasionally. And we had the sympathy enough to apply ourselves. Eva, I remember you going to the library and actually checking out a book on sign language. What was it that inspired you to wanna to learn more and end up going to college and getting your deaf education? Is it mainly something, but what was it that just strummed your your heart strings or opened up your eyes to going that route to working with the deaf? Um, well, I remember being little and seeing this boy who was my brother, this boy who would come home for the summers only in short little breaks. And I would see him sit and I knew that he, that he was, he was not communicating the way everyone else was communicating. I'd see everyone else laughing and talking and he'd watch and I would think, huh, how can he communicate with everyone? And how must he feel? You know, so I, I always remembered that, that there would have to be some way that he 
included. And that's what, uh, that's what inspired me. Well, much like my subject, Daniel, he uh, expressed feelings of social isolation, being misunderstood, bullied. But then when he would go back to school, felt right at home and felt a relief. So he was extremely grateful, ironically, to his parents for sending him there. So it sounds like this may be a common emotion and situation in the household when these deaf children come home and experience feeling that isolation and awkwardness of not being able to smoothly communicate. Although they try, uh, Daniel tried to to write notes with grandma and to uh, communicate with gestures with his father. It, it wasn't quite the same. He uh, expressed like he felt his dad uh, was uh, not very proud of having a deaf child, that perhaps he was ashamed. But then again, he expressed it might just be that uh, that was the way it was back then. Now, um, what can we do to consider best practice, Eva, since, you know, this happens in the home. As therapists, can we do a little bit more investigating or a house home visits um, to ensure there's a thorough screening evaluation to maybe uh, look, I mean, identify some of the gaps, maybe language barriers that happen in the household. How can how can we uh, work with the client and the family? Well, first place that I would always start is asking the family what they need. What does the child, the child need? If, if cooking is very important in the home, then vocabulary for cooking. Um, if church is very important in the home, then you'd, you'd focus on that and try to, I understand that there are some basic, basic vocabulary and ideas that are supposed to be taught because there is um, curriculum, curriculum, curri curriculum, curriculum. No, that's calendar wrong. Me program curriculum. I don't remember the sign. Mm -hmm. No program curriculum curriculum that <laughs> you taught. Um, but how important is it to teach the sign for giraffe when? say church is very important in that home i think more um uh emphasis or student based it needs to be focused on what the kid needs mm -hmm. and that's being client better communicate in the home there has to be meaning to that child yes and that's so important to our framers uh, in all therapy professions is what is important to the patient, the client, uh, the individual. And 
then there's the motivation and the drive for the parents as well. Uh, Emma, you know, there, there is this research gap and I appreciate your input so much. It's valuable because this research could really have a, a good sequel project. And I'm hoping that uh, I'm inspired by your interest and, and by you, your motivation, working in, in different capacities. And I know that you have inspired me a lot. Uh, hopefully we can um, do some some other research, maybe more studies on diverse cultures and uh, diverse backgrounds. You know, uh, the ones who attend regional school get to go home and we as therapists perhaps have a better opportunity to collaborate with parents. What would you suggest for those OTs or speech therapists who work away from the home at the residential school for the deaf using maybe technology? How do you see um, ideas there on, on maybe doing Zoom meetings or how would that work to collaborate with the parents? I, I know you mentioned what their interest is. How in, in the dormitories where the students stay, would that, would that also, how, how could you apply the same uh, as much as possible, making it a home environment to uh, where the parents can do carryover when the child goes home. What would be a an idea if you could think of something? Well, those are good ideas like Zoom um, and FaceTime if you have an iPhone. Um, Any activities or? There's, some, there's, there's just, there's so much technology now. Um, I think it's it's helping with uh, spelling and grammar and vocabulary because kids now are motivated to communicate and they're probably reading more. It's probably not all great information like on like on Facebook or in, Instagram. I'm not sure the sign for Instagram, but you know some of it's trash but it's practice you know um God, technology there's just so much now uh voice to to uh to text uh-huh text to voice you can you use your phone to type out a message in text and press voice and it'll talk so you don't have to be able to talk um it's it's wonderful I mean, even in other languages, in Italian, in German, um, technology is just- app, If there was one app that you could recommend to um, parents who send their child to a residential school, what app application or what kind of homework could you give them to prepare to receive their child back home? Is this- Oh, oh my gosh, there's so many things. Um, so many, I mean, you, you just, you just look at the app store and there's, and there's so many that are free. Would you choose, would you choose something, would you choose something, uh, similar to hand speak where you type in the word and then there's an actual live person interpreting. So if you don't know what grapes are, you type in grapes and then she signs grapes. And you say, oh, 
sure, that's great. There's, there's just so many, many. So when the parent receives the child back home, um, what, how, how can they prepare? How can they prepare? How can a parent prepare to yeah to get ready better? How can we improve? Well, the collaboration that it has to be a collaboration between the educators and the parents or the home. If it's not parents, if it's if it's uncles, aunts, who, whoever the family is in the home, a collaboration of maybe communicating, sending, uh, sending, uh, emailing. Um, uh, the class vocabulary. Oh, uh, perfect. Any any infor information about what was studied, what was talked about, lessons, so that the parents, when the kids come back home and the kid, they have some 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 shared vocabulary. It's reinforcement. They can. They can uh, reinforce it. I knew I'm like, yeah, it's something here. Get in there. Reinforce. Remember, remember. Their child learned in away at school. Mm -hmm. Come back home. Thank you. Or can send videos. Educators can send videos. If they go to the zoo, they can show the signs for the different things that they talked about. <laughs> All kinds of things. Perfect. It's not limited. It's only limited to what to what our minds can create, what we can create with technology. So looking at the client as a whole, using technology, collaboration, and meeting the, the client where the patient where they are as far as what's meaningful and really learning so we build a rapport we talked about rapport and applying our skills as much as possible uh so that we can uh broaden our scope to serve this population that is very rarely served in a hearing clinical setting. Why is it that we feel so confident to treat CP, you know, patients with CP, patients with such complicated issues, and yet they say that deafness is the silent issue because you don't see it. But yet they say that it separates it's the biggest separator of people, of social interaction. So I think uh, there was actually a quote by uh, Helen Keller and she says that uh, in, in, in those similar terms that uh, blindness is, you know, is, is not, it's, it's, it's easier to be blind than it is deaf because that separates uh, people. So Eva, to, to close, I wanted to ask you, where do you think the next step to, of research is, uh, on this study? This, uh, Daniel was the participant in this study and he attended a residential school and we highlighted some of the issues 
and ways that we as therapists, implications for practice. And what about future studies? Do you see a sequel to this? Um, looking at maybe a group and, and comparing different uh, folks, maybe females and some males, or do you see maybe different socioeconomic backgrounds or um, diff maybe uh, residential school versus regional school students' experiences? Uh, what, where, do you, where, do, where do you see a gap or where do you see we need more information? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. In all those places, yeah. those are all good ideas. Sure. Yeah, so uh, my next uh, question is, would you be willing to <laughs> be a participant in the next study? <laughs> or a <laughs> contributor, you could be. I appreciate your feedback so much, and we hope that you enjoy this video and that we can help in any way possible. If you want to email gotashare at gmail.com, uh, you can send me a, a comment or um, some tips, ideas. If you're a therapist or educator, you have any questions or you have any stories, you, tidbits or funny stories you wanna share, feel welcome. We would love to learn from you. And uh, again, I wanna say thank you to my little sister, Emma Wilson for helping give feedback and highlighting uh, these issues so that we can learn and contribute to our professions. Interprofessionalism is key, collaboration and client-centered practice, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Please come back and listen and check us out again for the next Gotta Share. For now. Yeah, Mom. Alma, you yes. saw Alma? Alma. Thank you, Alma. Love you. Love you. God bless you guys. And.